2 Samuel chapter 19 Joab was told, The king is weeping and mourning over Absalom. So the victory that day was turned to mourning as far as all the people were concerned. For the people heard on that day, The king is grieved over his son. That day, the people stole away to go to the city the way people who are embarrassed steal away in fleeing from battle. The king covered his face and cried out loudly, My son, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. So Joab visited the king at his home. He said, Today you have embarrassed all your servants who have saved your life this day, as well as the lives of your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your concubines. You seem to love your enemies and hate your friends. For you have as much as declared today that leaders and servants don't matter to you. I realize now that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, it would be all right with you. So get up now and go out and give some encouragement to your servants. For I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out there, not a single man will stay here with you tonight. This disaster will be worse for you than any disaster that has overtaken you from your youth right to the present time. So the king got up and sat at the city gate. When all the people were informed that the king was sitting at the city gate, they all came before him. But the Israelite soldiers had all fled to their own homes. All the people throughout all the tribes of Israel were arguing among themselves, saying, The king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. But now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed as our king, has died in battle. So now why do you hesitate to bring the king back? Then King David sent a message to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, saying, Tell the elders of Judah, Why should you delay any further in bringing the king back to his palace, when everything Israel is saying has come to the king's attention? You are my brothers, my very own flesh and blood. Why should you delay any further in bringing the king back? Say to Amasa, Are you not my flesh and blood? God will punish me severely, if from this time on you are not the commander of my army in place of Joab. He won over the hearts of all the men of Judah, as though they were one man. Then they sent word to the king, saying, Return, you and all your servants as well. So the king returned and came to the Jordan River. Now the people of Judah had come to Gilgal to meet the king and to help him cross the Jordan. Shimei, son of Gera the Benjaminite, and Behurim came down quickly with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were one thousand men from Benjamin with him, along with Ziba, the servant of Saul's household, and with him his fifteen sons and twenty servants. They hurriedly crossed the Jordan within sight of the king. They crossed at the ford in order to help the king's household cross and do whatever he thought appropriate. Now after he had crossed the Jordan, Shimei, son of Gera, threw himself down before the king. He said to the king, Don't think badly of me, my lord, And don't recall the sin of your servant on the day when you, my lord, the king, left Jerusalem. Please don't call it to mind. For I, your servant, know that I sinned. And I have come today as the first of all the house of Joseph to come down and meet my lord, the king. Abishai, son of Zeruiah, replied, For this should not Shimei be put to death? After all, he cursed the lord's anointed. But David said, What do we have in common, you sons of Zeruiah? 
You are like my enemy today. Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Don't I know that today I am king over Israel? The king said to Shimei, You won't die. The king vowed an oath concerning this. Now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, came down to meet the king. From the day the king had left until the day he safely returned, Mephibosheth had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He replied, My lord the king, my servant deceived me. I said, Let me get my donkey saddled, so that I can ride on it and go with the king, for I am lame. But my servant has slandered me to the lord my king, for my lord the king is like an angel of God. Do whatever seems appropriate to you. After all, there was no one in the entire house of my grandfather who did not deserve death from my lord the king. But instead you allowed me to eat at your own table. What further claim do I have to ask the king for anything? Then the king replied to him, Why should you continue speaking like this? You and Ziba will inherit the field together. Mephibosheth said to the king, Let him have the whole thing. My lord the king has returned safely to his house. Now, when Barzillai the Gileadite had come down from Rogelim, he crossed the Jordan with the king, so he could send him on his way from there. But Barzillai was very old, eighty years old in fact, and he had taken care of the king when he stayed in Mahanaim, for he was a very rich man. So the king said to Barzillai, Cross over with me, and I will take care of you while you are with me in Jerusalem. Barzillai replied to the king, How many days do I have left to my life? that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem. I am now eighty years old. Am I able to discern good and bad? Can I taste what I eat and drink? Am I still able to hear the voices of male and female singers? Why should I continue to be a burden to my lord the king? I will cross the Jordan with the king and go a short distance. Why should the king reward me in this way? Let me return, so that I may die in my own town, near the grave of my father and my mother. But look, here is your servant Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king. Do for him whatever seems appropriate to you. The king replied, Kimham will cross over with me, and I will do for him whatever I deem appropriate, and whatever you choose I will do for you. So all the people crossed the Jordan, as did the king, after the king had kissed him and blessed him, Barzillai returned to his home. When the king crossed over to Gilgal, Kimham crossed over with him. Now all the soldiers of Judah, along with half the soldiers of Israel, had helped the king cross over. Then all the men of Israel began coming to the king. They asked the king, Why did our brothers, the men of Judah, sneak the king away and help the king and his household cross the Jordan? And not only him, but all of David's men as well. All the men of Judah replied to the men of Israel, Because the king is our close relative, why are you so upset about this? Have we eaten at the king's expense? Or have we misappropriated anything for our own use? The men of Israel replied to the men of Judah, We have ten shares in the king, and we have a greater claim on David than you do. Why do you want to curse us? Weren't we the first to suggest bringing back our king? but the comments of the men of Judah were even more severe than those of the men of Israel. 
2 Samuel chapter 20. Now a wicked man named Sheba son of Bichri, a Benjaminite, happened to be there. He blew the trumpet and said, We have no share in David. We have no inheritance in this son of Jesse. Every man go home, O Israel. So all the men of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba son of Bichri. But the men of Judah stuck by their king all the way from the Jordan River to Jerusalem. Then David went to his palace in Jerusalem. The king took the ten concubines he had left to care for the palace and placed them under confinement. Though he provided for their needs, he did not sleep with them. They remained under restriction until the day they died, living out the rest of their lives as widows. Then the king said to Amasa, Call the men of Judah together for me in three days, and you be present here with them too. So Amasa went out to call Judah together, but in doing so he took longer than the time that the king had allotted him. Then David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, son of Bichri, will cause greater disaster for us than Absalom did. Take your lord's servants and pursue him, otherwise he will secure fortified cities for himself and get away from us. So Joab's men, accompanied by the Kirathites, the Pelathites, and all the warriors, left Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, son of Bichri. When they were near the big rock that is in Gibeon, Amasa came to them. Now Joab was dressed in military attire and had a dagger in its sheath belted to his waist. When he advanced, it fell out. Joab said to Amasa, How are you, my brother? With his right hand, Joab took hold of Amasa's beard as if to greet him with a kiss. Amasa did not protect himself from the knife in Joab's other hand, and Joab stabbed him in the abdomen, causing Amasa's intestines to spill out on the ground. There was no need to stab him again. The first blow was fatal. Then Joab and his brother Abishai pursued Sheba, son of Bichri. One of Joab's soldiers who stood over Amasa said, Whoever is for Joab and whoever is for David, follow Joab. Amasa was squirming in his own blood in the middle of the path, and this man had noticed that all the soldiers stopped. Having noticed that everyone who came across Amasa stopped, the man pulled him away from the path and into the field and threw a garment over him. Once he had removed Amasa from the path, everyone followed Joab to pursue Sheba, son of Bichri. Sheba traveled through all the tribes of Israel to Abel of Bethmeacah and all the Beerite region. When they had assembled, they too joined him. So Joab's men came and laid siege against him in Abel of Bethmeacah. They prepared a siege ramp outside the city that stood against its outer rampart. As all of Joab's soldiers were trying to break through the wall so that it would collapse, a wise woman called out from the city, Listen up! Listen up! Tell Joab! Come near, so that I may speak to you! When he approached her, the woman asked, Are you Joab? He replied, I am. She said to him, Listen to the words of your servant. He said, Go ahead, I'm listening. She said, In the past they would always say, Let them inquire in Abel. That is how they settled things. I represent the peaceful and the faithful in Israel. You are attempting to destroy an important city in Israel. Why should you swallow up the Lord's inheritance? Joab answered, Not at all. I don't intend to swallow up or destroy anything. That's not the way things are. There is a man from the hill country of Ephraim named Sheba, son of Bichri. He has rebelled against King David. 
Give me just this one man and I will leave the city. The woman said to Joab, This very minute his head will be thrown over the wall to you. Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off Sheba's head and threw it out to Joab. Joab blew the trumpet, and his men dispersed from the city, each going to his own home. Joab returned to the king in Jerusalem. Now Joab was the general in command of all the army of Israel. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Kirathites and the Pirathites. Adoniram was supervisor of the work crews. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the secretary. Shiva was the scribe, and Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. Ira, the Jairite, was David's personal priest. Second Samuel chapter 21 During David's reign, there was a famine for three consecutive years. So David inquired of the Lord. The Lord said, It is because of Saul and his blood-stained family, because he murdered the Gibeonites. So the king summoned the Gibeonites and spoke with them. Now the Gibeonites were not descendants of Israel. They were a remnant of the Amorites. The Israelites had made a promise to them, but Saul tried to kill them because of his zeal for the people of Israel and Judah. David said to the Gibeonites, What can I do for you, and how can I make amends, so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? The Gibeonites said to him, We have no claim to silver or gold from Saul or from his family, nor would we be justified in putting to death anyone in Israel. David asked, What then are you asking me to do for you? They replied to the king, As for this man, who exterminated us and who schemed against us, so that we were destroyed and left without status throughout all the borders of Israel, let seven of his male descendants be turned over to us, and we will execute them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, who was the Lord's chosen one. The king replied, I will turn them over. The king had mercy on Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, in light of the Lord's oath that had been taken between David and Jonathan, son of Saul. So the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Aya's daughter Rizpah, whom she had borne to Saul, and the five sons of Saul's daughter Mirab, whom she had borne to Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Meholathite. He turned them over to the Gibeonites, and they executed them on a hill before the Lord. The seven of them died together, They were put to death during harvest time, during the first days of the beginning of the barley harvest. Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest until the rain fell on them, she did not allow the birds of the air to feed on them by day, nor the wild animals by night. When David was told what Rizpah, daughter of Ea, Saul's concubine, had done, he went and took the bones of Saul and of his son Jonathan from the leaders of Jabesh-Gilead. They had secretly taken them from the plaza at Bethshan. It was there that the Philistines publicly exposed their corpses after they had killed Saul at Gilboa. David brought the bones of Saul and of Jonathan his son from there. They also gathered up the bones of those who had been executed. They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin at Zelah, in the grave of his father Kish. After they had done everything that the king had commanded, God responded to their prayers for the land.
Another battle was fought between the Philistines and Israel. So David went down with his soldiers and fought the Philistines. David became exhausted. Now Ishibanob, one of the descendants of Repha, had a spear that weighed 300 bronze shekels, and he was armed with a new weapon. He had said that he would kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to David's aid, striking the Philistine down and killing him. Then David's men took an oath, saying, You will not go out to battle with us again. You must not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Later, there was another battle with the Philistines, this time in Gob. On that occasion, Sibekai the Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the descendants of Repha. Yet another battle occurred with the Philistines and Gob. On that occasion, Elhanan, the son of Jair the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet another battle occurred in Gath. On that occasion, there was a large man who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in all. He too was a descendant of Repha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, the son of David's brother Shimea, killed him. These four were the descendants of Repha who lived in Gath. They were killed by David and his soldiers. Second Samuel chapter 22 David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord rescued him from the power of all his enemies, including Saul. He said, The Lord is my high ridge, my stronghold, my deliverer. My God is my rocky summit where I take shelter. My shield, the horn that saves me, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I was delivered from my enemies. The waves of death engulfed me. The currents of chaos overwhelmed me. The ropes of shale tightened around me. The snares of death trapped me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called to my God. From his heavenly temple, he heard my voice. He listened to my cry for help. The earth heaved and shook. The foundations of the sky trembled. They heaved because he was angry. Smoke ascended from his nose, fire devoured as it came from his mouth. He hurled down fiery coals. He made the sky sink as he descended. A thick cloud was under his feet. He mounted a winged angel and flew. He glided on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, in thick rain clouds. From the brightness in front of him came coals of fire, the Lord thundered from the sky. The Most High shouted loudly. He shot arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. The depths of the sea were exposed. The inner regions of the world were uncovered by the Lord's battle cry, by the powerful breath from his nose. He reached down from above and grabbed me. He pulled me from the surging water. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hate me for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in my day of calamity, but the Lord helped me. He brought me out into a wide open place. He delivered me because he was pleased with me. The Lord repaid me for my godly deeds. He rewarded my blameless behavior, for I have obeyed the Lord's commands. I have not rebelled against my God, for I am aware of all his regulations, and I do not reject his rules. I was blameless before him. I kept myself from sinning. 
The Lord rewarded me for my goodly deeds. He took notice of my blameless behavior. You proved to be loyal to one who is faithful. You proved to be trustworthy to one who is innocent. You proved to be reliable to one who is blameless. But you proved to be deceptive to one who is perverse. You deliver oppressed people, but you watch the proud and bring them down. Indeed, you are my lamp, Lord. The Lord illumines the darkness around me. Indeed, with your help, I can charge against an army. By my God's power, I can jump over a wall. The one true God acts in a faithful manner. The Lord's promise is reliable. He is a shield to all who take shelter in him. Indeed, who is God besides the Lord? Who is a protector besides our God? The one true God is my mighty refuge. He removes the obstacles in my way. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend even the strongest bow. You give me your protective shield. Your willingness to help enables me to prevail. You widen my path. My feet do not slip. I chase my enemies and destroy them. I do not turn back until I wipe them out. I wipe them out and beat them to death. They cannot get up. They fall at my feet. You give me strength for battle. You make my foes kneel before me. You make my enemies retreat. I destroy those who hate me. They cry out, but there is no one to help them. They cry out to the Lord, but he does not answer them. I grind them as fine as the dust of the ground. I crush them and stomp them like clay in the streets. You rescue me from a hostile army. You preserve me as a leader of nations. People over whom I had no authority are now my subjects. Foreigners are powerless before me. When they hear of my exploits, they submit to me. Foreigners lose their courage. They shake with fear as they leave their strongholds. The Lord is alive. My protector is praiseworthy. The God who delivers me is exalted as king. The one true God completely vindicates me. He makes nations submit to me. He delivers me from my enemies. You snatch me away from those who attack me. You rescue me from violent men. So I will give you thanks, O Lord, before the nations. I will sing praises to you. He gives his king magnificent victories. He is faithful to his chosen ruler, to David and to his descendants forever. Second Samuel chapter 23 These are the final words of David. The oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of the man raised up as the ruler chosen by the God of Jacob, Israel's beloved singer of songs. The Lord's Spirit spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The protector of Israel spoke to me. The one who rules fairly among men, the one who rules in the fear of God, is like the light of morning when the sun comes up, a morning in which there are no clouds. He is like the brightness after rain that produces grass from the earth. My dynasty is approved by God, for he has made a perpetual covenant with me, arranged in all its particulars and secured. He always delivers me and brings all I desire to fruition. But evil people are like thorns. All of them are tossed away, for they cannot be held in the hand. The one who touches them must use an iron instrument, 
or the wooden shaft of a spear. They are completely burned up right where they lie. These are the names of David's warriors. Josheb Bashabeth, a Takemanite, was head of the officers. He killed 800 men with his spear in one battle. Next in command was Eleazar, son of Dodo, the son of Ahohai. He was one of the three warriors who were with David when they defied the Philistines who were assembled there for battle. When the men of Israel retreated, he stood his ground and fought the Philistines until his hand grew so tired that it seemed stuck to his sword. The Lord gave a great victory on that day. When the army returned to him, the only thing left to do was to plunder the corpses. Next in command was Shammah, son of Agi, the Herorite. When the Philistines assembled at Lehi, where there happened to be an area of a field that was full of lentils, the army retreated before the Philistines. But he made a stand in the middle of that area. He defended it and defeated the Philistines. The Lord gave them a great victory. At the time of the harvest, three of the thirty leaders went down to David at the cave of Adullam. A band of Philistines was camped in the valley of Rephaim. David was in the stronghold at the time, while a Philistine garrison was in Bethlehem. David was thirsty and said, How I wish someone would give me some water to drink from the cistern in Bethlehem near the gate. So the three elite warriors broke through the Philistine forces and drew some water from the cistern in Bethlehem near the gate. They carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. He poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord and said, O Lord, I will not do this. It is equivalent to the blood of the men who risked their lives by going. So he refused to drink it. Such were the exploits of the three elite warriors. Abishai, son of Zeruiah, the brother of Joab, was head of the three. He killed three hundred men with his spear and gained fame among the three. From the three, he was given honor and he became their officer, even though he was not one of the three. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was a brave warrior from Kabziel who performed great exploits. He struck down the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in a cistern on a snowy day. He also killed an impressive-looking Egyptian. The Egyptian wielded a spear, while Benaiah attacked him with a club. He grabbed the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, who gained fame among the three elite warriors. He received honor from the thirty warriors, though he was not one of the three elite warriors. David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Included with the thirty were the following, Asahel, the brother of Joab, Elhanan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shammah, the Herodite, Elika, the Herodite, Hilez, the Paltite, Ira, son of Ikesh, from Tekoa, Abayezer, the Anathothite, Mebunai, the Hushathite, Zalman, the Ahohite, Meharai, the Natafathite, Heled, son of Baanah, the Natafathite, Ittai, son of Ribai, from Gibeah in Benjamin, Benaiah, the Pirathonite, Hidai, from the Wadis of Geash, Albayalbon, the Arbathite, Asmapheth, the Barhumite, Iliaba, the Shealbanite, the sons of Jashan, Jonathan, son of Shammah, the Hererite, Ahiam, the son of Sharar, the Hererite, Eliphalat, son of Ahazbai, the Maacathite, Eliam, son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite, Hezrai, the Carmelite, Pearai, the Arbite, Igal, son of Nathan, from Zobah, Benai, the Gadite, Zelek, the Ammonite, 
Naharai, the Beerathite, the armor-bearer of Joab, son of Zeruiah, Ira the Ithrite, Gareb the Ithrite, and Uriah the Hittite. Altogether, there were thirty-seven. Second Samuel chapter 24 The Lord's anger again raged against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go count Israel and Judah. The king told Joab, the general in command of his army, Go through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and muster the army, so I may know the size of the army. Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God make the army a hundred times larger, right before the eyes of my lord the king. But why does my master the king want to do this? But the king's edict stood, despite the objections of Joab and the leaders of the army. So Joab and the leaders of the army left the king's presence in order to muster the Israelite army. They crossed the Jordan and camped at Aroer, on the south side of the city, at the Wadi of Gad, near Jazer. Then they went on to Gilead and to the region of Tatim, Hodshai, coming to Danjean and on around to Sidon. Then they went to the fortress of Tyre and all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went on to the Negev of Judah, to Beersheba. Then they went through all the land and after nine months and twenty days came back to Jerusalem. Joab reported the number of warriors to the king. In Israel, there were 800,000 sword-wielding warriors, and in Judah, there were 500,000 soldiers. David felt guilty after he had numbered the army. David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by doing this. Now, O Lord, please remove the guilt of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. When David got up the next morning, the Lord's message had already come to the prophet Gad, David's seer. Go tell David, this is what the Lord has said. I am offering you three forms of judgment. Pick one of them, and I will carry it out against you. Gad went to David and told him, Seven years of famine come upon your land? Or shall you flee for three months from your enemies, with them in hot pursuit? Or shall there be three days of plague in your land? Now decide what I should tell the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am very upset. I prefer that we be attacked by the Lord, for his mercy is great. I do not want to be attacked by human hands. So the Lord sent a plague through Israel from the morning until the completion of the appointed time, and 70,000 people died from Dan to Beersheba. When the angel extended his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented from his judgment. He told the angel who was killing the people, That's enough. Stop now. Now the angel of the Lord was near the threshing floor of Arunah, the Jebusite. When he saw the angel who was destroying the people, David said to the Lord, Look, it is I who have sinned and done this evil thing. As for these sheep, what have they done? Attack me and my family. So Gad went to David that day and told him, Go up and build an altar for the Lord on the threshing floor of Arunah, the Jebusite. So David went up as Gad instructed him to do, according to the Lord's instructions. When Arunah looked out and saw the king and his servants approaching him, he went out and bowed to the king with his face to the ground. Arunah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David replied, To buy from you the threshing floor, so I can build an altar for the Lord, so that the plague may be removed from the people.
Arana told David, My lord, the king may take whatever he wishes and offer it. Look, here are oxen for burnt offerings, and threshing sledges, and harnesses for wood. I, the servant of my lord the king, give it all to the king. Arana also told the king, May the lord your god show you favor. But the king said to Arana, No, I insist on buying it from you. I will not offer to the lord my god burnt sacrifices that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty pieces of silver. Then David built an altar for the Lord there and offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings. And the Lord accepted prayers for the land, and the plague was removed from Israel. First Kings chapter 1 King David was very old. Even when they covered him with blankets, he could not get warm. His servants advised him, A young virgin must be found for our master the king, to take care of the king's needs and serve as his nurse. She can also sleep with you and keep our master the king warm. So they looked through all Israel for a beautiful young woman and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very beautiful. She became the king's nurse and served him, but the king was not intimate with her. Now Adonijah, son of David and Haggith, was promoting himself, boasting, I will be king. He managed to acquire chariots and horsemen, as well as fifty men to serve as his royal guard. Now his father had never corrected him by saying, Why do you do such things? He was also very handsome, and had been born right after Absalom. He collaborated with Joab, son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they supported him. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Rei, and David's elite warriors did not ally themselves with Adonijah. Adonijah sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened steers at the stone of Zoheleth near Enrogel. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, as well as all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, the elite warriors, or his brother Solomon. Nathan said to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Has it been reported to you that Haggith's son Adonijah has become king behind our master David's back? Now let me give you some advice as to how you can save your life and your son Solomon's life. Visit King David and say to him, My master, O king, did you not solemnly promise your servant, Surely your son Solomon will be king after me? He will sit on my throne? So why has Adonijah become king? While you are still there, speaking with the king, I will arrive and verify your report. So Bathsheba visited the king in his private quarters. The king was very old, and Abishag, the Shunammite, was serving the king. Bathsheba bowed down on the floor before the king. The king said, What do you want? She replied to him, My master... You swore an oath to your servant by the Lord your God. Solomon, your son, will be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now look, Adonijah has become king. But you, my master the king, are not even aware of it. He has sacrificed many cattle, steers, and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army. But he has not invited your servant Solomon. Now, my master, O king, all Israel is watching anxiously. 
to see who is named to succeed my master the king on the throne. If a decision is not made when my master the king is buried with his ancestors, my son Solomon and I will be considered state criminals. Just then, while she was still speaking to the king, Nathan the prophet arrived. The king was told, Nathan the prophet is here. Nathan entered and bowed before the king with his face to the floor. Nathan said, My master, O king, did you announce Adonijah will be king after me? He will sit on my throne? For today he has gone down and sacrificed many cattle, steers, and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, the army commanders, and Abiathar the priest. At this moment they are having a feast in his presence, and they have declared, Long live Adonijah! But he did not invite me, your servant, or Zadok the priest, or Benaiah son of Jehoiada, or your servant Solomon. Has my master the king authorized this, without informing your servants who should succeed my master the king on his throne? King David responded, Summon Bathsheba. She came and stood before the king. The king swore an oath. As certainly as the Lord lives, he who has rescued me from every danger, I will keep today the oath I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel. Surely Solomon your son will be king after me. He will sit in my place on my throne. Bathsheba bowed down to the king with her face to the floor and said, May my master, King David, live forever. King David said, Summon Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoiada. They came before the king, and he told them, Take your master's servants with you, put my son Solomon on my mule, and lead him down to Gihon. There Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet will anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and declare, Long live King Solomon. Then follow him up as he comes and sits on my throne. He will be king in my place. I have decreed that he will be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, responded to the king, So be it. May the Lord God of my master the king confirm it. As the Lord is my master the king, so may he be with Solomon. And may he make him an even greater king than my master King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoiada, the Kirathites and the Pelathites went down, put Solomon on King David's mule, and led him to Gihon. Zadok the priest took a horn filled with olive oil from the tent and poured it on Solomon. The trumpet was blown, and all the people declared, Long live King Solomon! All the people followed him up, playing flutes and celebrating so loudly they made the ground shake. Now Adonijah and all his guests heard the commotion just as they had finished eating. When Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he asked, Why is there such a noisy commotion in the city? As he was still speaking, Jonathan, son of Abiathar the priest, arrived. Adonijah said, Come in, for an important man like you must be bringing good news. Jonathan replied to Adonijah, No, our master King David has made Solomon king. The king sent him with Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoiada, the Kirathites and the Pelathites, and they put him on the king's mule. Then Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anointed him king in Gihon. They went up from there rejoicing, and the city is in an uproar. That is the sound you hear. 
Furthermore, Solomon has assumed the royal throne. The king's servants have even come to congratulate our master King David, saying, May your God make Solomon more famous than you, and make him an even greater king than you. Then the king leaned on the bed and said this, The Lord God of Israel is worthy of praise, because today he has placed a successor on my throne and allowed me to see it. All of Adonijah's guests panicked. They jumped up and rushed off their separate ways. Adonijah feared Solomon, so he got up and went and grabbed hold of the horns of the altar. Solomon was told, Look, Adonijah fears you. See, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, May King Solomon solemnly promise me today that he will not kill his servant with the sword. Solomon said, If he is a loyal subject, not a hair of his head will be harmed. But if he is found to be a traitor, he will die. King Solomon sent men to bring him down from the altar. He came and bowed down to King Solomon, and Solomon told him, Go home. First Kings chapter 2 When David was close to death, he told Solomon his son, I am about to die. Be strong and become a man. Do the job the Lord your God has assigned you by following his instructions and obeying his rules, commandments, regulations, and laws as written in the law of Moses. Then you will succeed in all you do and seek to accomplish, and the Lord will fulfill his promise to me if your descendants watch their step and live faithfully in my presence with all their heart and being. Then, he promised, you will not fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. You know what Joab, son of Zeruiah, did to me, how he murdered two commanders of the Israelite armies, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. During peacetime he struck them down as if in battle. When he shed their blood, he stained the belt on his waist and the sandals on his feet. Do to him what you think is appropriate, but don't let him live long and die a peaceful death. Treat fairly the sons of Barzillai, of Gilead, and provide for their needs, because they helped me when I had to flee from your brother Absalom. Note well, you still have to contend with Shimei, son of Gira, the Benjaminite from Behurim, who tried to call down upon me a horrible judgment when I went to Mahanaim. He came down and met me at the Jordan, and I solemnly promised him by the Lord, I will not strike you down with the sword." But now don't treat him as if he were innocent. You are a wise man, and you know how to handle him. Make sure he has a bloody death. Then David passed away and was buried in the city of David. David reigned over Israel forty years. He reigned in Hebron seven years and in Jerusalem thirty-three years. Solomon sat on his father David's throne, and his royal authority was firmly solidified. Haggith's son, Adonijah, visited Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. She asked, Do you come in peace? He answered, Yes. He added, I have something to say to you. She replied, Speak. He said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and all Israel considered me king. But then the kingdom was given to my brother, for the Lord decided it should be his. Now I'd like to ask you for just one thing. Please don't refuse me. She said, Go ahead and ask. 
he said, Please ask King Solomon if he would give me Abishag the Shunammite as a wife, for he won't refuse you. Bathsheba replied, That's fine. I'll speak to the king on your behalf. So Bathsheba visited King Solomon to speak to him on Adonijah's behalf. The king got up to greet her, bowed to her, and then sat on his throne. He ordered a throne to be brought for the king's mother, and she sat at his right hand. She said, I would like to ask you for just one small favor. Please don't refuse me. He said, Go ahead and ask my mother, for I would not refuse you. She said, Allow Abishag the Shunammite to be given to your brother Adonijah as a wife? King Solomon answered his mother, Why just request Abishag the Shunammite for him? Since he is my older brother, you should also request the kingdom for him, for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab, son of Zeruiah. King Solomon then swore an oath by the Lord, May God judge me severely if Adonijah does not pay for his request with his life. Now as certainly as the Lord lives, he who made me secure allowed me to sit on my father David's throne and established a dynasty for me as he promised. Adonijah will be executed today. King Solomon then sent Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and he killed Adonijah. The king then told Abiathar the priest, Go back to your property in Anathoth. You deserve to die, but today I will not kill you, because you did carry the ark of the sovereign Lord before my father David, and you suffered with my father through all his difficult times. Solomon removed Abiathar from being a priest for the Lord, fulfilling the Lord's message that he had pronounced against the family of Eli in Shiloh. When the news reached Joab, for Joab had supported Adonijah, although he had not supported Absalom, he ran to the tent of the Lord and grabbed hold of the horns of the altar. When King Solomon heard that Joab had run to the tent of the Lord and was right there beside the altar, he ordered Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, Go, strike him down. When Benaiah arrived at the tent of the Lord, he said to him, The king says, Come out. But he replied, No, I will die here. So Benaiah sent word to the king and reported Joab's reply. The king told him, Do as he said, strike him down and bury him. Take away from me and from my father's family the guilt of Joab's murderous bloody deeds. May the Lord punish him for the blood he shed. Behind my father David's back, he struck down and murdered with the sword two men who were more innocent and morally upright than he, Abner, son of Ner, commander of Israel's army, and Amasa, son of Jether, commander of Judah's army. May Joab and his descendants be perpetually guilty of their shed blood, but may the Lord give perpetual peace to David, his descendants, his family, and his dynasty. So Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, went up and executed Joab. He was buried at his home in the wilderness. The king appointed Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, to take his place at the head of the army, and the king appointed Zadok the priest to take Abiathar's place. Next, the king summoned Shimei and told him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, but you may not leave there to go anywhere. If you ever do leave and cross the Kidron Valley, know for sure that you will certainly die. You will be responsible for your own death. Shimei said to the king, My master the king's proposal is acceptable. Your servant will do as you say. 
So Shimei lived in Jerusalem for a long time. Three years later, two of Shimei's servants ran away to King Achish, son of Maacah of Gath. Shimei was told, Look, your servants are in Gath. So Shimei got up, saddled his donkey, and went to Achish at Gath to find his servants. Shimei went and brought back his servants from Gath. When Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had then returned, the king summoned Shimei and said to him, You will recall that I made you take an oath by the Lord, and I solemnly warned you, if you ever leave and go anywhere, know for sure that you will certainly die. You said to me, The proposal is acceptable. I agree to it. Why then have you broken the oath you made before the Lord and disobeyed the order I gave you? Then the king said to Shimei, You are well aware of the way you mistreated my father David. The Lord will punish you for what you did. But King Solomon will be empowered, and David's dynasty will endure permanently before the Lord. The king then gave the order to Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, who went and executed Shimei. So Solomon took firm control of the kingdom. First Kings chapter 3 Solomon made an alliance by marriage with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He married Pharaoh's daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he could finish building his residence and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Now the people were offering sacrifices at the high places, because in those days a temple had not yet been built to honor the Lord. Solomon demonstrated his loyalty to the Lord by following the practices of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for it had the most prominent of the high places. Solomon would offer up one thousand burnt sacrifices on the altar there. One night in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. God said, Tell me what I should give you. Solomon replied, You demonstrated great loyalty to your servant, my father David, as he served you faithfully, properly, and sincerely. You have maintained this great loyalty to this day by allowing his son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in my father David's place, even though I am only a young man and am inexperienced. Your servant stands among your chosen people. They are a great nation that is too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning mind, so he can make judicial decisions for your people and distinguish right from wrong. Otherwise, no one is able to make judicial decisions for this great nation of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon made this request. God said to him, Because you ask for the ability to make wise judicial decisions, and not for long life, or riches, or vengeance on your enemies, I grant your request, and give you a wise and discerning mind, superior to that of anyone who has preceded or will succeed you. Furthermore, I am giving you what you did not request, riches and honor, so that you will be the greatest king of your generation. If you follow my instructions by obeying my rules and regulations, just as your father David did, then I will grant you long life. Solomon then woke up and realized it was a dream. He went to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, offered up burnt sacrifices, presented peace offerings, and held a feast for all his servants. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. 
One of the women said, My master, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was with me in the house. Then three days after I had my baby, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one else in the house except the two of us. This woman's child suffocated during the night when she rolled on top of him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was sleeping. She put him in her arms and put her dead son in my arms. I got up in the morning to nurse my son, and there he was, dead. But when I examined him carefully in the morning, I realized it was not my baby. The other woman said, No, my son is alive, your son is dead. But the first woman replied, No, your son is dead, my son is alive. Each presented her case before the king. The king said, One says, My son is alive, your son is dead. While the other says, No, your son is dead, my son is alive. The king ordered, Get me a sword. So they placed a sword before the king. The king then said, Cut the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. The real mother spoke up to the king, for her motherly instincts were awakened. She said, My master, give her the living child. Whatever you do, don't kill him. But the other woman said, Neither one of us will have him. Let them cut him in two. The king responded, Give the first woman the living child. Don't kill him. She is the mother. When all Israel heard about the judicial decision which the king had rendered, they respected the king, for they realized that he possessed divine wisdom to make judicial decisions.